Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. An Erios production. Menopause is coming and the men have all left town. But I'm not giving up until I see that baby crown. Could be balding, bearded, shorter, tall, funny, smart, love basketball, gay, straight, black, white, tiny eyes with an underbite. I just need sperm, sperm cast. Hi, everyone. Okay, let's get you up to speed. I have been feeling pretty yucky for a month and a half, maybe two, but I'm starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. So that's great. To what do I attribute this light? Well, one of the biggest things that's helped me is the support I've gotten from my Patreon subscribers. Yes, there's the money part, and let me just give a quick shout-out to my newest Patreon subscribers. We've got Lisa P., Jillian D., Bailey M., Shay K., Danielle N., Nikki S., Mary Lou L., Kelly R., and in case I missed some of you from the end of December, thank you Liz, Mayma S., Candace S., and Daniela A. But the money stuff isn't exactly what I'm talking about. I think I'm feeling a bit better because of the incredibly supportive messages I got this weekend after I posted an update about my state of mind. So thank you so much to those of you who chimed in and made me feel sane and seen. So what had I posted on my Patreon? Well, some of it was updates, and I'll tell you those updates right now. And then the other half of it was my feelings. So let's start with the updates. First of all, I got my ERA results back and apparently I'm 12 hours pre-receptive. I don't really know what that means because I was a bit in the Bahamas when Dr. Chung called and told me. All I know is that I need to start my progesterone 12 hours earlier so that my uterine lining is perfectly receptive when they do the transfer. So it turns out that it was a good thing that I waited a month and I did the ERA. And what else? As you know, I'm on estrogen, prepping my uterus for a potential transfer. I have my next ultrasound on Wednesday, tomorrow, the 22nd, to see if the lining is thick enough. And if it is, then the next day, they start me on progesterone. But most importantly, and this is a huge deal to me, the lab will thaw eight of my 16 eggs and attempt to make embryos. This part scares me. It's that terrible time when I wait to find out if my eggs have survived the thaw, and then I wait to see if any of them fertilized and then I have to wait until day three to see if any of them made it that far and then I have to wait and see if any of them made it to day five blastocyst stage it's just it's also stressful it's worse than the two-week wait it's worse than waiting for my PGTA results or the rebiopsy results I just like I don't know it sucks and I'm scared because of all the bad news I've gotten with each step this year I'm just I just don't want bad news I hate it But whatever, if we have any embryos on day five, we'll transfer the best looking two into my uterus on January 29th and freeze the rest. Okay, so now you have all the factual updates. But the Patreon post was basically that, plus a big cathartic journal entry about my overwhelming doubts and dark thoughts and where they're all stemming from. Long story short, my stomach. They're all stemming from my stomach. 
My stomach's been messed up for a month and a half. I mean, it's been messed up since I was 33, but it, but the last month and a half has been shitty again. And I think that the unwellness has taken over my thoughts and made me feel isolated and depressed and unfit for motherhood. Physically unfit, mentally unfit, and financially unfit. And the egg thaw is just days away. And I'm still grappling with whether or not I should be an actual mom. Like, aside from all of the other stuff, the finances and the mental health and everything, if my stomach hurts now while I'm not even pregnant, what's it going to be like when I'm pregnant? What's it going to be like when I'm a mom and I don't have time to meditate every day and cook the exact right foods to keep my stomach feeling okay? How, how, I don't know, I don't know. Anyway, anyway, I just wanted to read a couple of the incredibly thoughtful messages from my Patreon subscribers that really helped me this weekend. Okay, this one is from RP. I don't know if it's okay to say the name, so I'm just going to say RP. She writes, I still have doubts and worry about mortality and the fate of the world and how hard everything is, and I have two little kids. Do they make it easier? No. But do they make life more meaningful in the future, more precious and worth protecting? Yes. This isn't to say that having kids is always the right thing, just that those same doubts and worries are independent of having kids. They will still be there after a baby comes. You will still look at your parents and think about their mortality and in turn your own. But the point of life isn't to be easy or to figure out how to avoid confronting death and pain. It's to find beauty and meaning through all that because it makes it all the more spectacular. I can't say that you won't have worries or doubts when there's a child of yours in the world. I still look at mine and feel a deep sense of vulnerability and fear of anything happening to them. But now I also look at other people and see that too, and I have more empathy and connection through this vulnerability. I imagine that having to make these decisions make it even harder for you because it's all so intentional, while for so many they become pregnant without too much thought and just step up to the plate, so to speak. But your ability to reflect on these things and the magnitude of creating life while also looking into the face of the struggle of the human experience is a gift that you will be able to impart on any children you may have. Sending you love. Oh, email. (laughs) Okay, and this one is from A.H., Oh, Molly, I'm sorry you're feeling down, but from your podcast, I know you're smart, resourceful, hardworking, and brave. It's of course scary to make a big change while having all these doubts, but I'm confident you will figure out how to navigate these things. After all, you've been doing it for 40 years already. As for being an unfit mom, that's not true. People with less financial stability and or more mental or physical health problems than you, and at the same time, plenty of people who are richer and healthier than you have raised unhappy kids. What matters most is the love you have for your children and your desire to do what's right for them. And you've shown that you have that. Any mother who's willing to go it alone on such a long and scary journey has the love and dedication needed to needed to be a good mother. Fingers crossed this is the month that works for you. Well, geez, Louise, these messages and some of the other messages that I got really just made me feel so much better, stronger, more capable, And just supported and loved, and it just makes me feel great. Also, my stomach is feeling a little bit better today, so that helps too. Though the idea of possibly entering into a pregnancy with an already compromised digestive system really freaks me out. Because when I get nauseous, I get anxious, and I think I'm going to be like that for the rest of my life. So anyway, your job, listeners, is to remind me if I ever do get pregnant and if I do have morning sickness, your job is to remind me that I will not be like that for the rest of my life, that it's only temporary. 
Anyway, <laughs> all right. For those of you on the Patreon, I'll update you on Wednesday about what's happening. And if I'm not feeling well on Wednesday, I'll pull the plug. And I'll wait till next month or I'll do something else. But right now, I, I'm thinking I'm going to be okay. So thank you for reminding me that I'm strong and giving me the courage to do this. If I decide to do it. And now, it's interview time. Today I have a very special guest who I've never met before. A complete and utter stranger, but also a listener who knows every detail about me. She sent me her story in an email and I just had to hear it in person. Here we go. I have a new friend. Her name is... Aija. <laughs> Aija May. That's your pen name. That is my pen name. Why are we using a pen name today? Uh, because a lot of this is really private. <laughs> <laughs> so you're a listener. Yes. And you emailed me um, a little while ago, a month or two ago. Yeah, something like that. Binged your entire series. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, actually, it was really, really actually kind of healing for me. Oh, good. So. Well, you told me a, a big story, and I purposely did not reread your email because I have a terrible memory, and I thought it would be more fun to rehear it. I keep kicking this thing. We're also using mic stands for the first time. Yay. Um, I've had these mic stands for a while, but I've never brought them out. So anyway, back to what I was saying. <laughs> There's also a dog here, Dresden. Say hi, Dresden. Dresden. Oh, gosh. Should we give her a pen name? Oh, <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. You sure? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yes. Okay. So, so we have to start from the top. Okay. You have a, a, a very interesting story. Yeah. So, I think it was about September of last year mm -hmm. that my boyfriend, um, who's quite a bit younger than me and uh -huh. had never wanted children, um, oh. our first date, he told me he didn't want kids. And I was kind of... Oh, it's a long story, but I was okay with that. I just mm. thought, okay, this is for fun. I just want, you know, to get to know this person. And, um, I didn't think because I do travel around so much, I didn't think that it would blossom into anything too serious. Um, but it did. And he kind of changed his mind about the kid thing. So oh. we started trying in September and by mid-October we had a positive pregnancy Oh my test. gosh. Oh yeah. My gosh. So it was immediate. You know, it was wow. really, really quick, which I was shocked because I was at that time 38. Yeah, I just turned 38 and immediately got pregnant. And uh, yeah, so it was a big surprise to both of us because we'd done... Yeah. We'd looked at the stats and we kind of thought, okay, we'll probably have at least six months to kind of figure this out and I guess even decide if we really wanted to do it. But then all of a sudden there we were pregnant and wow. I was still traveling. So at this time he had a week off every month and he would just fly out to wherever I was. Um, and so I was traveling. So I guess we found out about the pregnancy in San Diego. What do you Diego. do that you travel so much? Um, so I'm a writer. Okay. I have two jobs. Okay. So I work for a Swiss company and I write about politics, science, business, wow. stuff like that. And then my other job is I teach outdoor survival skills. Um, and that's, <laughs> that's cool. kind of all over. Oh, your that's face just lit up. That's awesome. Oh my God. That's yeah. so cool. I love it. I love it. Um, oh, I want to know everything you know. Oh, it's so fun. <laughs> Mostly okay. we teach shelter, water, fire, food, but I probably the most fun thing that we teach is a friction fire. So 
Like What's, just what does that mean? It's two sticks rubbing oh, together. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> and it's a real struggle, but it's really, really fun when people get that for the first time, you just see them light up. My boss just flies me out wherever I need to be for that. And that's every I don't know. I haven't I haven't actually taught since my last surgery, so I'm hoping. Surgery. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't want her to give it all away, so I made her back up a little bit. You started trying in September. You got pregnant in October. What yeah. happened? Um, well, by the time we found out, I was probably about three, four weeks or something. It was early. It was you before I was te- testing period. every day. No, because you, you no. didn't think it was going to happen no. so quickly. Yeah. I, I mean, thirty-eight years old. Yeah, I did. I definitely thought it wasn't going to happen, but it did. And I actually made him read the test. So I like took the test and I handed it to him, and I'm like, "You tell me." And he goes, "He goes, all right." raise your hand if you're not pregnant. And I raised my hand like laughing, you know, and he, he goes, Oh, not so fast. I put your hand down. It was shock. I was shocked, Oh my god! but so excited. Yeah. But also shocked. Yeah. But mostly excited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then we only had a week together at that time and it was amazing. You know, we were just walking on the beach and talking about the future and we were really excited. And then, um, he had to fly back to work. And so he worked for three weeks and during that three weeks, I don't know, like it was just a really stressful time trying to figure out what we were going to do and like where I should have this baby. Because for me, I really dislike like settling down Mm -hmm. and I certainly didn't want to be where he was working at that time. So it was a little bit stressful. And then um, the next time he had a week off, he flew out to Vegas. And so we were together for about a week then and even started fighting a little bit Mm -hmm. about things like circumcision Mm -hmm. and vaccinations. Don't get me wrong. I'm not an anti-vaxxer by Mm -hmm. any means, but I, I think it's like it's a lot to ask of a little tiny undeveloped immune system to get all the vaccinations at once. So mm-hmm. I'd been reading a lot of, you know, materials about that and kind of felt like we should try a more chill schedule, mm-hmm. um, which is, uh, are you familiar with Dr. Rhonda Patrick? No, I love her. <laughs> She's like my girl crush. Anyway, uh-huh. she talks about that. She just had a little boy. I think she was 36 or 37 and um, decided to go at a slower pace with the vaccination. So we were talking about that and he works in healthcare. So he just wants to do everything standard, including circumcision. Mm-hmm. We didn't even know if it was a boy or a girl, but <laughs> we're already fighting about these things right. and some other stuff too. Um, And then the last day that he was in Las Vegas with me, I said, you know what, let's go get one of those. Like there should be a heartbeat by now. I was around six, seven weeks. And I said, let's go get one of those um, ultrasounds from Mm -hmm. like a shop because they won't see you. The doctor won't see you until 10 weeks. Usually you say, Hey, I've had an early positive pregnancy test. They're, they're like, Oh, don't even, we don't want to see you until 10 weeks. So Yeah. So you so there's like um specialty places where you can go and get ultrasounds. Yeah, yeah, it's just like a fun novelty kind right, of thing. Yeah. yeah, so we go into this place, we're all excited. The lady was so sweet. It was just kind of like a mom and pop ultrasound shop, you uh-huh. know, like and um I lay down and I was just so like I couldn't believe it was me, you know, like holding my partner's hand and getting, you know, the goo on my belly and all that. Anyway, um, I could tell something was wrong, mm-hmm. uh, 
pretty quickly because like her face just did, you know, a thing. And so, yeah, I was just like, what's going on? (laughs) And she's like, do you know if you have fibroids? And I was like, no, (laughs) like, I don't know Mm -hmm. if there's anything wrong in there. And, and she said, okay, she's like, I, and I did, you know, was paying attention and did not see a heartbeat for sure. And didn't see any little jelly bean looking thing. Mm -hmm. And so she was like, all right, I'm not in a place where I can diagnose or tell you what's going on right now. And she said, I'm so sorry. I know that's horrible. And she said, but there are, you know, you need to get to a doctor and, um, you know, figure out what's going on. And I was like, what? Oh my gosh. She couldn't tell you anything. She couldn't. Oh, (laughs) ultrasound texts. They're just not allowed. I love them, but I love to hate them because they are the most tight lipped. Mm -hmm. And I asked, I finally asked somebody that worked with my boyfriend about it. And she said, she was like, there's a lot of lawsuits and stuff mm. if you say the wrong thing. Right. So Are anyway, they not doctors? Huh? They're not doctors? No, they're not doctors. And and this was not even associated with a doctor. Right. You know, it was just like a fun little shop. Right. So we, as soon as we get out of the room, my boyfriend and I are just crying and Googling and going crazy. And then the next day he had to fly out. We couldn't even get an appointment while he was there. Mm. And so then I drove actually to Mesa, Arizona So the next time, because I was planning to go meet a friend, which I needed the emotional support anyway. So I went there and uh, my friend and I went to like, I think it was actually some kind of like anti-abortion note because I don't have a regular doctor in any of these places, right? Oh my God. So um, it was some kind of Christian like anti-abortion place, but I didn't know. It just said women's health, ultrasounds, pregnancy. Oh my gosh. So I went there and same thing, the ultrasound tech was like, okay, you've got to go see like a really serious ultrasound tech and our machine isn't good enough for this and we can't tell you what's going on. So by now it's been like a week. Oh my God. It was horrible. Oh my God. Horrible. But again, I didn't see, well, there was one point where they had something that looked like a heartbeat. And so I, you know, I had that like, oh my gosh, there's a heartbeat. Like everything's going to be okay. And then she like turns to me, she goes, oh, that's not a heartbeat. That's, that's just, I'm seeing how the blood flow is. And I'm like, Jesus, like what is going on? Your blood flow. My blood flow. Yeah. Yeah. It was weeks, two like two more weeks before I got any kind of diagnosis because I wasn't in the system. I didn't have a doctor there. And, you know, I couldn't get into this Were other... Were you able to do a blood test at any point? Well, I, my HCG was through the roof. Yeah. And I okay. knew that. Okay. Like I was, yeah, definitely technically pregnant. Oh, God. <laughs> like start to shake a little bit talking about this stuff because it was Shoot. just so stressful. And I wasn't with my partner at this time too. So that also made it stressful. You know, we don't know if we should be planning for a baby. We don't know if there's some other medical thing on the horizon, you know? So finally I got an appointment in at this other ultrasound tech. (laughs) She too would not say anything to me about what was going on. But as I was leaving, she gave me the worst look that I have ever seen on another woman's face. Just this like, not a mean look, okay. but like a, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Oh. 
It was so horrible. But by now I kind of know there's not a baby, right? right? But I know something else is wrong too. And so from then it took another couple of days before I could get in to see the actual doctor who was going to tell me what was going on. Mm-hmm. But what it finally ended up being was that, yes, I'd lost the baby. It was probably a blighted ovum. There was definitely like a... We like, never said the word blighted ovum on this podcast. Really? I think I know what it is, but yeah, I don't. I so. don't really know oh. either. A blighted ovum also known as an embryonic pregnancy, happens when a fertilized egg attaches itself to the uterine wall, but the embryo does not develop. Cells develop to form the pregnancy sac, but not the embryo itself. A blighted ovum occurs within the first trimester, often before a woman knows she's pregnant. I wish I knew if it was would have been a boy or a girl, because obviously if sperm met egg, there was a, you know, a gender at some point. Mm-hmm. I wish I knew why, you know, it didn't, it didn't develop, but... Mm-hmm. That was like, at that point, that wasn't even that big of a concern because it turned out that I had two eight centimeter cysts on my ovaries. Uh huh. Which eight centimeters is huge. Wait, that is huge. That I was is thinking huge. It's like four inches. Yeah. That's so like, it's that. like eight inches of mass in Jeez. my belly, which I'm not a huge person. So, no. but I had always noticed that my belly kind of, even when I was in like the best shape of my life, my belly would kind of stick out and I didn't know why. Mm-hmm. So, they didn't know how long these had been here. They didn't know if it was pregnancy related or anything. And the only way to find out was to have surgery. So, mm-hmm. so I like research like crazy. And I really do think you have to be your own advocate with these things mm-hmm. and find things out. Cause the first surgeon that I went to, he's like, okay, we're just going to poke a hole in these things and drain them and suction out whatever comes out. And that's it. But um, my research kind of said that if you have big cysts and they just poke a hole and drain them, then they'll fill back up at some ah, point. That's, yeah. That's what the dermatologist said to me. <laughs> I had this thing on the back of my neck. I thought it was just a blackhead. I'm sorry. This is yeah, gross. No <laughs> you know what? I think at our age, like some body well, stuff You know, happens. I don't have somebody to pop yeah. things on the back of oh. my neck. Anyway, so I went to the dermatologist for this one reason because I was vain and she said it's a cyst and I was so grossed out and (laughs) and she said we can remove the sac Uh or we can just what is the word when you squeeze it out express express I guess but if you just express it it just fills right back up within a year probably but that Mm. was $95 and then removing the sac was like 400 bucks I was like just squeeze the fucking thing We'll deal and with it was it like when it comes a up millisecond again. later, and I spent ninety five dollars to have a uh, zip pop. But anyway, yes. Yeah, so there's a sack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that whatever's in that cyst has to be in something, right? You know? Right. Yeah. Anyway, but I knew from my research that it was just going to fill back up. So, and that was a dude. Yeah, I'm sorry. Like for <laughs> my lady bits, I want. A female surgeon. Okay. I've always felt that way. Yeah. So I did find another surgeon and she was like, okay, well, we're not just going to drain these things. We've got to remove the sack or it'll come back. And I was like, oh, I like right. you already. Okay. Yeah. You're doing it. So had that surgery fine. Within and so a- that's, is that laparoscopic too, where they yes. go through whole? Okay. Yeah. So I've got all kinds of cute little scars, but <laughs> I like scars. I think, yeah, yeah, they show you where you've been, right? Sure. Had you had the miscarriage, like the... Oh, God, I don't even want to talk about that. Yeah, so that actually happened before 
four. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that part. Yeah, that was horrible. Oh, no. <laughs> I actually had this plan. I got some like medical marijuana and I was going to just have this miscarriage out in the desert. Uh-huh. Like I was just uh-huh. like, I'm just going to be alone, me and like the goddesses, you know, uh-huh. whatever out in the desert. But it didn't work out that way. Oh, God. Well, okay. My family is Mormon. Uh huh. So this whole being pregnant and not married thing was a big deal. But finally, yeah, I talked to my family about it. They're Mormon, but they're, I mean, my family's very strict, but <laughs> they're also very loving. So my mom kind of knew what was going on. And I'm like, hey, I'm going to have a miscarriage. Can I do that at your house <laughs> instead of on the road, you know? Right, right, right. And it, it hung on for weeks. Mm. I mean, it, I think I finally miscarried around week 12. Oh, and my gosh. my HCG was still super strong at that time. So all, you know, pregnancy tests were still super positive and yeah yeah that was horrible it was very very painful it happened overnight I I didn't want to wake up my mother so I I was alone but I was texting my boyfriend the whole time he was working he was working overnight shift at the hospital and um finally at like four in the morning I was in so much pain I couldn't believe because it's not I always thought giving birth hurt Mm -hmm. because the baby's so big because right. the head hurt, you know, coming out. Right. But it's not. It's the contractions. Yeah. And I was having contractions with this miscarriage. Oh, my gosh. And so much blood. Oh, my gosh. Like, it was kind of shocking how much blood there was. She didn't want to go to the hospital. No. Just because of the vibe. I just don't really like you doctors felt safe, and hospitals. But you felt safe at home. Yeah. I think they often tell women to go to the hospital if they're having a miscarriage, don't they? Yeah, and I I definitely heard that. They said DNC, and they said if you're in a lot of pain. Oh, what did they say? Something about how much I was bleeding. Uh, If you fill up three pads over one hour, then go to the hospital, I think was the advice. I I can't remember. (laughs) (laughs) That's a strange measurement because when I'm having cramps, I just sit on the toilet. Right? So there's no pad in the toilet. So much blood. Oh, my God. Yeah. So... Yeah. So finally at four, he came and gave me a shot and it was so funny just like after, I mean, it wasn't even some kind of euphoria medicine or whatever, but after, like, as soon as the pain was gone, I was just like, cause you're just moaning and writhing. Do you know what I mean? You're like an animal at that point. Yeah. So after he gave me the shot, it was wonderful. It's horrible. And I didn't think it would be too bad because yeah, it was like a tiny little gestational sac, really. Yeah, there yeah. wasn't even really a baby in there. Right. And it right. still hurts so bad. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> I brought us back to that. But so we were at your, um, hmm. so you had your surgery and that recovery was about a week, you said? Yeah, that recovery was great. Yeah. I And it didn't really bother me. I'd had some time to kind of get over the miscarriage by then. I think the surgery was about two months after. Because mm. um, they wanted to see if they would shrink on their own, which yeah, they didn't. Right. Part of the point of the surgery was to, you know, like get labs on whatever came out. And it turned out that they were um, endometriomas. Okay. Which are part of endometriosis. Gotcha. Endometrioma is a type of cyst formed when endometrial tissue, the mucous membrane that makes up the inner layer of the uterine wall, grows in the ovaries. But the crazy thing is... If you had asked me, you know, I was reading about everything that it could be with mm. these cysts and just the fact that they were bilateral, mm-hmm. there was one on each side, suggests that it's something systemic that's going on. You mm-hmm. know, it's not just one weird like egg follicular sac that filled sure. up. Yeah. So 
endometriosis seemed like the most obvious right diagnosis but i like i was like is it cancer and they're like oh we don't think it's cancer right. <laughs> you know yeah so yeah so they tested him and they're like you have endometriosis you know with endometriomas of this size it it's like stage four it's really oh okay. a serious case but i was a little surprised by the diagnosis because the only time that i had felt like i had a lot of pain with periods or anything like that was i mean years ago when i was like 20 eight, mm. I took the morning after pill a couple of times. Mm -hmm. Um, not, <laughs> we were so dumb. It was like, not, it was stuff like the condom broke and he hadn't even come yet. You know what I mean? And I was like, Oh my God, I don't want to get pregnant, especially with that guy. So, mm -hmm. so I took it sometimes when I really didn't need to mm -hmm. at all, mm -hmm. but that was the only time that I had symptoms that seem like endometriosis. And I mean, it's kind of like, I think birth control is very, very important to, you know, have gotten women to where we are now. But I do think that something, and I'm like, I'm totally in favor of the morning after pill. I think it's a good thing to have if you're not ready to have a baby mm -hmm. and you think you might, you know, but, um, I do think there's something about flooding your body with that many hormones that maybe throws things out of whack. Yeah. You know? I don't even know what the hormones in the morning after pill are. I'll have to look it up. I think it's progesterone. I I think that would support a pregnancy. Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to look it up. Wrong, Molly. Well, progesterone does support a pregnancy, but let's see. Plan B one step is an emergency contraceptive pill taken by mouth after unprotected sex. What is Plan B one step's active ingredient? Each pill contains levonorgestrel, a synthetic version of the hormone progestin. The drug acts primarily by stopping the release of an egg from the ovary. It may prevent a sperm from fertilizing the egg. If fertilization does occur, plan B one step may prevent a fertilized egg from attaching to the womb. But if a fertilized egg is implanted prior to taking plan B, the drug will not work and pregnancy proceeds normally. So what's the difference between progestin and progesterone? I guess progestin is just a synthetic form of progesterone. Okay, so progesterone is used in the morning after pill. I don't really get why it stops a pregnancy, but that's that's the fact. Anyway, as I was waiting for the miscarriage to come, and th this is part of why I wanted to talk to you, because when you had your miscarriage, um, you were talking about how you wished you had a partner to hold you, mm -hmm. and, which I totally get. It's a nice idea, but... You think about it and you're like, oh, when you imagine having a partner, you imagine being on the same page and both of you being heartbroken yeah. and loving each other and crying. And there was definitely some of that. And my boyfriend's a wonderful person and a mm -hmm. good man and, you know, but it was so clear that we were going through two very, very different things. Mm -hmm. You know, it was happening in my body. And somewhere along the line here, he had kind of backed off of the idea of having a baby. Uh -huh. So before I even miscarried, he brings it up and he's like, you know, I don't know if I want to try again. And I don't know why it affected me the way it did, but at that point, like, it felt like... Like Not such now. a betrayal. Like, why are you telling me this now? <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. you know, tell me after I've miscarried and when we talk about trying again, here I've got all these doctors talking about, um, what's it called? Retaining my fertility. Oh, you know, my surgeon is like, don't worry, we're going to be really careful. Mm -hmm. I know you want to have a baby. And when you're 
crying over one baby that you've lost feeling like, Oh, my partner doesn't even, didn't even want it in the first, it, that's how it felt. And you have a lot of hormones. Oh my body. Yeah. gosh, the hormones. Yeah. yeah. So it just made it so clear. Like we were going through a totally different thing. And of course, like I, I want him to tell me things like that. And, and I would never want him to try when he didn't want to, or anything like that. Like mm-hmm. the last thing I want is an unwilling father, you know, mm-hmm. for, for my kid, my kid deserves better than that. Right. But it was still just such a hard you know, moment to hear that from him. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's kind of was the beginning of kind of like a growing apart sort of for us. And we're starting to bounce back from that. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Anyway, now he's totally backpedaled and he's like, well, I didn't really say that I didn't want to. I'm yeah. like, that is exactly what you said. Mm-hmm. And I kind of get the sense that if I were to push then he would try again. Mm -hmm. But I just like ethically, I kind of feel like that's a hard Mm -hmm. situation, you know, because I, I don't want to bring a kid into the world who maybe isn't wanted and I don't want an unwilling father. And I, I just kind of feel like sometimes I'm like, is this how it happens? Like, do is the woman supposed to push or is that how it happens with most couples? Mm. I just don't feel good about that. Yeah. I don't want to do it. Right. Okay. So we're kind of like getting like holding it together, mm-hmm. you know, and still love each other. And um, I'm not traveling quite as much. So we were spending a little more time together and we were using the pullout method. Right. <laughs> Which by the way, I forgot to mention this, but sex when you're trying to have the baby is like, the hottest sex I've ever had in oh, my man. life. It's, oh my God, it's so no, hot, right? I'm jealous. No, it's insane. Ugh. It's insane. Well, only in the beginning, probably not at month 12. Probably not. <laughs> but that first, I mean, we did it for like a month that's and it like, was insane. Yeah, that sounds great. Anyway, we were using the pullout method, which is dumb if mm-hmm. you're trying to prevent a baby. But um, I was kind of like, well, he knows that I want a baby. And so if he's taking this risk, that's kind of his problem. And I told him that. I said, right. like, you've, it's your job to keep your, right. what are they called? Gametes? Your sperm gametes, to yourself. Yeah, gametes, sure. yeah. And if you're okay not using a condom or not, because I'm not on birth control, mm-hmm. you know, you know the situation. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Oh, I guess I should talk about this. So the ovulation before I think I got pregnant, or it could be the one after, mm-hmm. Um, I was driving from California to Utah Mm -hmm. and my, I just like had insane pain on my left side. Oh. And I thought, well, maybe it's um, a cyst again, like a little one that Uh burst Uh because they're supposed to hurt really bad when they burst. Or maybe it's something else. I couldn't figure it out. I was bleeding a little bit. Uh And I had been, I had seen him a month earlier and we slept together then uh-huh. or not a month, I guess like two weeks or something like that. Uh-huh. August, mid-August, let's say. And now it was getting closer to mid, yeah, it was mid-September. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I was like, okay, I didn't know what was going on. 
anyway, um, but that it was about for two days that I was having cramps and I guess I don't, I don't really like doctors. So mm-hmm. I didn't go to the doctor, mm-hmm. which maybe I should have, mm-hmm. but, um, I was having a little bit of bleeding and I knew it was ovulation time, but I was like, well, maybe my cycle's messed up. Maybe this is a period. I I didn't know what was going on, but I, I was having pain that ends. And, and then I see my boyfriend and we sleep together. Uh-huh. Right? And then a couple of weeks after that, like I just started noticing all these symptoms and I was doing keto because okay. I, I have gained like 20 pounds since this whole thing started. Oh. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to do keto. I'm going to get back to like my normal shape, you uh-huh. know? And so I was doing keto for maybe a month or something like that. And so I thought maybe the, the bleeding and the pain was keto related because okay. your whole body goes a little haywire. Anyway, so we slept together around mid-August and a couple weeks later, I'm having all these symptoms and I was like, what the crap is going on? And my period didn't come. And I was like, well, maybe that other thing was a period, but my periods are really regular. Oh. Yeah. So I was kind of conferring with one of my best friends. So I went and got a test and I had her on video chat and I'm like, I'm not reading this thing. You have to read it for me. And so like I did the test and I like pointed the phone at it and I didn't look at it. And my friend's like, yeah, you're pregnant. So this is like six months after the surgery. Uh Yeah. Which was in February. So I mean, was I happy? Like, yeah, part of me was happy. But I was also worried because I'd had that really weird ovulation with the bleeding and everything. So I thought, well, have I been pregnant since mid-September? Right. Or is it from mid-August? Right. I had no idea. But it was weird. So I knew I was pregnant for about four days. Didn't tell anybody except for this best friend. And I was like looking things up. I'm like, what can cause a false positive on a pregnancy test? And like... You hear, okay, I was having, you know, pull out sex. Like, Uh obviously I was pregnant, but I I just couldn't figure it out. And one of the things it said was cysts will give you a false positive sometimes. Oh, I didn't know you could get a false positive. It's really uncommon. Oh, okay. (laughs) It's really rare. Um, And the other thing was cancer. And and I was like, oh, geez. Like... And cancer, like the risk is a little bit elevated if you do have endometriosis and everything. So I was like, geez, it could be either of these things, but I I just didn't even want to think about it. And I got more tests and they were all coming up really positive and, mm. you know, big lines and everything. And so I was like, okay. Anyway, a couple of days later, I was having like a, what's it called? Like a birthday lunch with my stepmom, my dad mm-hmm. and my boyfriend mm-hmm. And uh, in the middle of this lunch, my boyfriend and my dad were like arguing about something about like mutual funds and I don't, <laughs> some retirement, something or other. And anyway, they were talking about this. So I kind of scooted over and I started talking to my stepmom about her grandkids and everything. And and like in the middle of this conversation, it was just like, like something not in my belly but just something felt really wrong and I was like okay maybe I ate too much maybe it's pregnancy related and by then I quit keto Uh because keto is not supposed to be good for pregnancy okay so yeah it's just like something is wrong but I I just kind of ignored it and kept talking to my stepmom and I guess it showed on my face because she was like are you okay yeah I was like I'm gonna run to the bathroom yeah. And it was just like from the walk from the table to the bathroom, like I knew I was going to pass out oh, or something. No. And so I get into the bathroom and I like look at the toilet and I'm like, if I even sit on that, I'm going to fall and hit my head. Like oh my I'm gosh. not, I'm going to pass out, which I don't know if I'd even describe it as pain, but it was just so something was wrong. 
And I just remember like laying my sweater on the floor and just curling up on a ball in a ball, like on the floor of this restaurant's bathroom and just laying there. And like, maybe I did pass out for a little while. I don't know, but it's not okay. My jaw's on the floor. I'm just staring at her. So ridiculous. And so I was like, I came to and I was just like, okay, this isn't right. Like this isn't working. I shouldn't be just laying on the floor in this restaurant. So I like kind of get up and I just stagger out to the table and there was a booth nearby and I just laid down on the booth and my stepmom and my dad and my boyfriend are all just like, I just see their faces above me and I'm just like, I don't know what's wrong. Something's wrong. And my boyfriend goes straight into nurse mode and he's like taking my pulse and, and he's just like, you're, you're completely white. Your blood pressure is really low. Like we need to get you to the hospital. Okay. And, you know, keep in mind, none of them know I'm pregnant. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I don't want to go to the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he's like, you're going to the hospital. I'm like, I can't do it. So somehow we get out to um, my car and I'm laying there and my dad's like in the window just going like, what are we going to do? And I was just like, dad, I don't, I don't know. I, it was raining. I'm like, I just have to close the door and lay down. So I like close the door and laid down. And my boyfriend's sitting there like totally calm just like, yeah, we have to go to the hospital. And I'm just like, I have to tell you something. Yeah. And he's like, what? And I go, I got a positive pregnancy test four days ago. And I think this is just a miscarriage. Like, yeah. I've been here before. I've done it before. I just want to go home. No. And do this alone. No. I don't want a bunch of doctors and blah, blah, blah. I, you know, like I looked at his face and he's he is calm under pressure. Like he's a skydiver. He's a wingsuiter. He does all this stuff. So he's just like, totally just like, I can't see anything on his face. I'm like, is he mad at me? I'm bawling, you know, I'm so sorry to tell you, but, and he's just like, he's like, we're going to the hospital right now. (laughs) So he drives me to the hospital and I am just like, I mean, he has to go park the car. So he just drops me off at the emergency room. By then I can barely walk. Yeah. They came out and got me in a wheelchair. And I remember like there were still times where I was like, I think I'm okay. I can walk. Like I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Like why are you, I don't need a wheelchair. I'm okay. I should probably just go home. It's probably just a miscarriage. And and then I'm talking to the doctor and I'm like, well, it could be a positive, a false positive. And, <sighs> he, and he just starts laughing. He's like, I've been working in this industry for 25 years. He's like, I've never seen a false positive. Okay. Or no, he saw one before mm-hmm. and it was like really advanced cancer. He's like, oh that's not what this is. So they took me in for an ultrasound and that I think that was when the like it was you know a tubal pregnancy an ectopic pregnancy I think that's when it burst <gasps> when she was like pressing on my belly oh my gosh and I like I don't even know I think something kicked in and I just went into shock because I was like oh it doesn't hurt anymore <laughs> well it hurt but I don't know something was weird and she was like could you go into the bathroom and you know how sometimes they want you to have a full bladder and sometimes they want you to Uh empty it for these kind of ultrasounds so they're like um could you go to the bathroom and I go into the bathroom and for the second time that day I just end up on the floor like I couldn't even stand up so I like crawled over to the door and I opened the door I'm like I can't go to the bathroom yeah and she's like oh wow okay and then I had to do more ultrasound. Oh, oh I had to do like the internal one. Mm-hmm. And that's when she saw that it was in the tube. Mm-hmm. 
An ectopic pregnancy occurs when a fertilized egg implants and grows outside of the main cavity of the uterus. It most often occurs in the fallopian tube, which is, you know, how the egg gets from the ovary to the uterus. This type of ectopic pregnancy is called a tubal pregnancy. Sometimes an ectopic pregnancy occurs in other areas of the body, such as the ovary, abdominal cavity, or the lower part of the uterus, the cervix, which connects to the vagina. Wow, I didn't know that. I thought it was all just fallopian tube. Okay, so an ectopic pregnancy can't proceed normally. The fertilized egg can't survive and the growing tissue may cause life-threatening bleeding if left untreated. Symptoms. You may not notice anything at first. However, some women with an ectopic pregnancy have the usual early signs and symptoms of pregnancy, a missed period, breast tenderness, and nausea. If you take a pregnancy test, the result will be positive. Still, an ectopic pregnancy can't continue as normal. Signs and symptoms increase as the fertilized egg grows in the improper place. Often, the first warning sign of an ectopic pregnancy is pelvic pain. Light vaginal bleeding may also occur. If blood leaks from the fallopian tube, you may feel increased abdominal pain, an urge to have a bowel movement or pelvic discomfort. If heavy bleeding, hemorrhaging occurs, you may feel shoulder pain as blood fills your pelvis and abdomen. Your specific symptoms depend on where the blood collects and which nerves are irritated. Ouch! Emergency symptoms. If the fertilized egg continues to grow in the fallopian tube, it can cause the tube to rupture. Heavy bleeding inside the abdomen is likely. Symptoms of this life-threatening event include extreme lightheadedness, fainting, severe abdominal pain, and shock. An ectopic pregnancy occurs in about 1-2% to 2 of all pregnancies. But then I did I did pass out in a wheelchair on the way back to the room. Like I just, Aww. my head swung down, you know, and, and I guess I was in a lot of pain. They'd given me morphine by then, but it I don't know. It was bad. So did your fallopian tube rupture? Yes. So um, now is it not functional on the one side? It's gone. Aww. They took it out. <laughs> Do you I, still have the ovary there? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Which I, you know, I did make sure like I'm like, yeah. leave my ovary. Yeah, yeah. And the guy, he says, he says it's like a 5% reduction in fertility Oh. Because somehow, I, I can't remember if it's the tube that moves or the ovary that, or the egg that swims. <laughs> right. But somehow the remaining fallopian tube will catch an egg from the remaining. Interesting. Yeah. That's yeah. what he said. I don't know if he's Something just trying to, to make look into. So this one's interesting. I didn't find a definitive answer about it, but I did find a forum where someone asked a question. Somebody from ectopic.org.uk responded in this way. She said, generally, when a person has only one fallopian tube and both ovaries, they are still able to get pregnant from an egg at the opposite ovary as an egg from one ovary can travel down the tube on the other side. The fallopian tubes are not attached to the ovaries and at the point of ovulation, some very delicate structures called the fimbriae <laughs> fimbria? uh, begin to move gently, creating a slight vacuum to suck the egg toward the end of the tube it is nearest to, like lots of little fingers waving and drawing the egg towards it. So if you have only one tube, then there is only one set of receptors working and one set of fimbria creating a vacuum, and so the egg is much more likely to find its way to that tube, whichever ovary it is produced from. Conservative estimates suggest that an egg produced on the tubeless side manages to descend the remaining tube around 15 to 20 percent of the time. But yeah, I looked it up and apparently it's not complete bullshit. And there's a lot of people with um, 
with only one tube who get pregnant. Oh yeah, I have a friend who did that. Oh yeah. really? Yeah. Did she have an ectopic too? She or? did. Yeah, she did. But um, she lives far away, so yeah, I, I didn't do an interview with so her. So I get to be interviewed so instead. You get it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, you know, doctor comes in. You've got an ectopic pregnancy. It's in your left fallopian tube. It ruptured probably during. Well, they saw it. Bef- they saw it on the ultrasound, and it was like four centimeters. Like mm-hmm. it was big, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and so he's like, "We're gonna have to take it out." Blah blah. blah. These are the risks, you know. And by then, I'm just like, "What? Just whatever. Do right. what you need to do. Try to keep my." fertility i'd still like to have a baby you know yeah. and they wheel me off into the surgery yeah and, and then um yeah i don't remember and that was just in september that was september 11th oh <laughs> a great date this year though yeah this wow. year so yeah. it's recent yeah, yeah okay so then what now what um that recovery also only really took a week wow physically yeah physically i was fine after that but you know it's the placenta that spews out all the pregnancy hormones right right and i'm gonna go ahead and say there was a huge difference between the natural miscarriage and having it cut out of you Mm -hmm. because i have not like i had some depression when i was a teenager i have not felt that way like I just remember sitting with my mom and my boyfriend. We were quite the, you know, it was the three of us hanging out all the time. Yeah. Because <laughs> my more, poor mom's taking care of me. And um, anyway, I just remember sitting with them like two days after the surgery and just like being like, okay, how can they not see what I see? The world is horrible. Mm. It's a dark and bad place. I wanted to die, you know? Oh, no. Yeah, but I like logically, I was like, okay, this is probably hormonal. It's probably chemical. Um, at that time, I did, you know, I found a therapist. I, yeah. And yeah, because it's just like such a sharp drop off. And w- they did a pregnancy test in the hospital, and my HCG was at like 7,000. Mm-hmm. So that's really high. Um, and then it was, you know, zero <laughs> or like it went down really wow. fast. Yeah. So it was awful. But yeah, that's that's the topic thing and i don't recommend it if you can avoid it and no. <laughs> try to avoid it um, there's no way to avoid it though no no it just happens to some people sometimes yeah it's more common if you have had surgery before which i did you okay. know six months previous and it's more common if you have endometriosis okay and then if you've had stds and stuff which mm. everybody's think is the issue with me <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you know yeah um i mean yeah, I've been tested. I seem to be fine. But yeah. So So what's the latest? When I woke up from surgery, I was like mid-speech telling the entire surgical staff that it was my fault that I was having miscarriages and um because I waited too long mm-hmm. and I like didn't prioritize family. Like I traveled extensively and I've had all these adventures and an interesting life. And so it was all my fault. And they thought we didn't bother correcting them, but they thought that my boyfriend was my husband. Mm. So they run out. He's a nurse and everything. So they run and grab him and bring him in because mm-hmm. they think he's going to comfort me. Yeah. And so he hears this whole thing about, oh, I'm never going to have a family, blah, blah, blah. And um, at that time, he was like, oh, my gosh, I have to let her go to find somebody who's ready. Ah. It was just a nightmare. 
He told you that at that time? No. Oh my God. No, that's, well, no. It was two days later when I was going through that really, really bad time, like uh, really dark time that he was like, I think he's like, somebody is out there is going to want to have babies with you and I'm just not sure yet. And so I should let you go. I know it's the right thing to do. I don't want to, but blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, F you. (laughs) First of all, you're not going anywhere until I stop bleeding and my incisions heal because this is ridiculous. And, and I'm sure the guy who's really chomping at the bit to have babies Mm -hmm. wants to marry the 38 year old with known (laughs) fertility problems. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, like I don't, I don't think I'd really want that pressure either to have a partner who's like really rearing to go on having babies. Um, and I'm like, I'm like, so yeah, like let's circle back around to this as soon as I'm healed. But right now, I really just need you to hold me mm-hmm. and like take care of me a little bit. And he, you know, to his credit, he did. Yeah. Um, and then later he's like, yeah, I don't want to break up with you. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, yeah. I didn't want to do that. I just felt like it was the right thing to do to like, let you go. He, I mean, he keeps throwing out these hints that maybe he would like to try again. Okay. And we are still using the pullout method, which mm-hmm. is so stupid. I could be pregnant right now. We have no idea, right? Mm -hmm. Because I never would have thought that was possible until it happened. But I'm kind of like, I mean, I don't know. You've probably had these experiences too, where it's just like guys who are like, oh, I don't know. Do I want to have kids? I don't know. And I'm like, dude, like I've got to figure it out. Yeah. And just seeing what people go through with divorce and like Mm -hmm. relationships deteriorating, Having given it so much thought, I am kind of more into the idea of doing it on my own. And I've swung that past my partner and he happened, it's a long story, but he, his dad actually has him and his like half sister who wasn't biologically related to his dad and his dad, he feels loved his half sister more anyway. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I could totally love a kid that I wasn't genetically related to. He's like, in fact, I think it would be easier, but I'm just like, really? Like you would want to stick around through that. So we're kind of navigating those waters of him wanting to be my partner. Mm -hmm. But like me being like, I don't have time to wait around for you to be ready. I mean, I think it's a good idea. (laughs) Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that could ever work. I don't know. It's just so strange. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at. The thing that I kind of wanted to plug. Yes, I want you to plug it. So having thought through all this, obviously, like you just grow up thinking, I should just meet a partner and we'll want to have babies and we'll have a family together. But as we know, and as like so many women know, that it doesn't necessarily happen like that. And I've definitely dated guys who wanted to have babies right away, and but I wasn't in love with them. Right. So I'm not just going to hook up with a guy. Like I think I'd be doing him a disservice mm-hmm. because he should be with somebody who really loves him. And I think I'd be doing the kids a disservice because you should love the father of your children, you know? So, um, so I'm kind of like more on this idea of being a single mother by choice and maybe gathering a group of similar women so we could almost like co-parent all together. Yeah. And with my freedom, like I, I'd like, I'd of course be most interested in people who had like the kind of freedom that I have to travel and things like that. Yeah. So my idea is just like, wouldn't it be cool to have several women maybe use the same donor, whether that's a live person that we know or from a sperm bank. And then you'd have like half siblings together. 
And then like you could help each other if somebody needed a babysitter, you know, one of the other women would step in if somebody wanted, you know, needed to take a trip for work or something, then yeah. somebody else would take it. And then it would be like your kid had, because I don't know if I'd like to have more than one, mm-hmm. but um, I would like my kid to have siblings, right? Or like at the very least, like kind of like half siblings or cousins sort of. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of like my thought is I know so many women who are ready to have kids and who don't have quite the right guy there. And so I'd like to kind of have this community of women where we could all work together. I just feel like basing a a parent partnership on something as like unstable, really, as a romantic relationship, Mm -hmm. it just seems like a flawed model to it, me. Yeah, I agree. It is a fun yeah. model. Where I think it would be almost better to have a parenting partnership where you're both just really committed to the kid mm-hmm. and love each other, but not in that explosive way that mm-hmm. lovers do. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, like I'm just kind of playing with all these ideas. I feel like there's so many women out there who are, you know, in a similar situation. They need to do this soon. And you know, like I'm worried about my fertility and I really only feel, I mean, I don't even know if I have any possibility of doing it, but I only have a few years left if I do. And so that's what I'm looking to do. And I thought like that might be something some of your listeners would be interested yeah. in. I so. mean, I think it sounds like a, I'm, I've, I've toyed with that kind of an idea in my mind, but it's, uh, it's almost too idealistic for me because yeah. I don't know I don't know where I'm going to be and I don't know I just don't Me neither. <laughs> yeah. But it seems like a commune would be the best thing ever. Yeah, or the like idea all of it or something similar. Live in a like the same apartment building but you or You have to really like these other women. You, it's almost yeah. as much as finding a husband or a boyfriend that you love. You know, you have yeah. to really want to also care for their kids. Yes. And a little bit. And what if you would. what well, if, if they, they like, decide to move when their kid is two, five years old and then your your kid doesn't have their half-brother anymore? I feel like the risk is almost similar mm. to a romantic relationship, but not as like emotionally heavy. Yeah. If those, and I feel like if you had like five or six, if two or three dropped away, <laughs> that would kind of be okay. Yeah. But I also think at least that kid would have like a cousin, even if they did live across the country. Yeah. Ija was a little bit worried that she didn't explain herself correctly. So she wrote me a little description and I'm going to read it to you. She writes, so my thought is if five or six single parents could live near each other in the same neighborhood or the same apartment building, Then they could help each other with the practical stuff. One mom would do the monthly Costco run for everyone. Another would take the kids to soccer practice. And each would babysit someone else's kiddo one night a week so that the other mom could go on a date or just have some time to herself. I was even thinking it would be nice if each mom prepared a healthy dinner for everyone one night a week. Then instead of stressing out about dinner seven nights a week, you'd only have to stress out about dinner two or three nights a week. And you'd always have someone to call in an emergency. Older single mothers by choice like me might only be able to have one child so I think this would be an added benefit of the kiddos feeling like they have siblings maybe more like cousins they'd have dinner together and playtime together and maybe movie nights or something then when the kids grow up they would have someone to reminisce with about the good old days I think that's important I'd be sad if my kid had no one to remember their childhood with when they're old and of course people would come and go but it would be great to make an effort to keep in touch over the years like a family reunions and stuff 
I don't see why single parents everywhere couldn't do this. My mom was a single mom and she was stressed all the time. I just wish she'd had another adult nearby she could rely on. Anyway, a bit of a ramble, but I hope this makes sense. She'll be writing about this topic on medium.com. Ooh, very nice. And if any of you want to hear anything more about the single parent community idea, you can find Ijame at medium.com. But I know you can also find her at I am Ijame at gmail.com. That's I A M I J A M E I at gmail.com. Anyway, you can find all these links in my show notes. Back to Ijame. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming all the way yeah. here and telling me this story. <laughs> Sorry, I just talked your ear off. No, you didn't. That's the long. point of this podcast. Yeah. That's, that's the point. <laughs> I wanted to hear your story. And it's yeah. so interesting and it's so heartbreaking. And I just, but uh, you've been through so much. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a hell of a year. She said it. It has been a hell of a year. A whole lot for her, a whole lot for me, and I'm sure a whole lot for a lot of you out there. But all of this struggle is just going to make us stronger for everything that we're going to have to go through when we're parents. So, we can do this. I can do this. If I want to. And I'll figure that out by Wednesday. Thank you, Ija May, for coming and talking to me and sharing your story with me and all of my listeners. And thank you, listeners, for listening to Ija May's story and for always being there and supporting me and making this podcast what it is. If you haven't already, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Oh my goodness, I read a bunch of reviews yesterday and I, oh my gosh, I hadn't read them in a long time. And there were some new guys from January... You guys are the best. I just wanted to hug and squeeze and kiss all of you. But aside from making me feel good, it helps, you know, the algorithm. If you want to sign up for the Patreon, it's so easy. Go to patreon.com forward slash spermcast and subscribe for a dollar or two or 25 or five or 10 or 13 or four. And you'll have access to all kinds of interesting content, updates, real time live updates and, um... I don't usually make New Year's resolutions, but this year I want to do an even better job of entertaining you on the Patreon. So in addition to just updates and clips from doctors, I, I hope to be doing some, finally doing some live streaming and all that stuff. I just have to figure out how, I think I've said this before, but I will figure it out one day. Next week, we're going to have a great show. Uh, It's either going to be my good friend Jamie, who is a celebrity makeup artist, or it's going to be my friend from high school, Amanda Scott, who did some energy healing on me. I don't know. I haven't made a decision yet, but it's going to be a good one. And you'll find out if I go through with the procedure. So stay tuned for next week. If you want to reach me, email me at spermcast at gmail.com. Call me or text me. Leave a voicemail at 323-741-1818. Find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Spermcast. That's it. Wish me luck. Love you. He could be bald and bearded, shorter or tall. Funny, smart, love basketball. Gay, straight, black, white. Tiny ass with an underbite. I just need sperm. Spermcast. An Erios production. Powered by ACAST. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 